What's happening? Welcome once again to YEGMS. This is episode number 31. It's the second part of Exercise and Multiple Sclerosis. Thanks for joining me once again. Before we get to this week's podcast, I wanted to take some time to mention MS Buddy. MS Buddy is an app that connects people living with MS, keeping them updated with the latest MS news and research. Whether someone is newly diagnosed or has been living with MS for years, MS Buddy is a tool for finding support and advice within Healthline's growing social community. Well, how does it work? Well, each day, buddies receive a new match at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Users then chat about anything from their jobs to their families to treatment. The purpose of MS Buddy is to help people feel like they are not alone in their battle with MS. MS Buddy is free for both Android and iPhone users and available on the Google Play Store and on the iTunes Store. Download MS Buddy today. So last episode, I talked about sort of my journey with exercise as it relates to uh, multiple sclerosis. And for this episode and part two of exercise and multiple sclerosis, I wanted to look at some of the current research uh, available to see if my experience with you know running and exercising and, and, and the course of IMS, is, is, is that backed up at all by research? And I, I think before, you know, when people are out hunting around on the internet, and interesting enough, my, my wife was doing it last night. Uh, my six-year-old daughter, her front teeth, uh, her baby teeth, the, the adult teeth are starting to grow in behind. And bottom line is we need to take her to a dentist and wait to the dentist to tell us, okay, does she, do they have to just pull the baby teeth or what's going to happen? Well, of course, you know, you go around online as my wife did last night and you hear all kinds of horror stories of, you know, kids dying because of the, uh, uh, you know, being, being put under when they get their teeth out, you get or parts of their brains don't work, or, you know, there's always horror stories when you go and search for any condition on the internet, which is why I don't, the irony is here I am uh, talking about a disease on the internet, uh, but I, I have known, even from my own personal experience, that when you go and hunt or hunt around for information, you, you never know the source, and you're never sure if that's exact because you're trying to diagnose something without for in this case without being a dentist or in the case with with our community we're not you know well most of us aren't neurologists and most of us have not spent you know better than a decade in in college or university getting getting a doctorate and 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 then doing all the work that is required to become a neurologist so it can be really easy to just, you know, take somebody's word for it um, and then find out that they were grossly misled. And my feeling has always been, as a person with a chronic condition, I should listen to my doctor, but I should also empower myself to try and keep up with some of the recent research and trends, you know, as it relates to my condition. That's the reason why I started the blog, and that's... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's the, one of the most important things. So anyway, for, for the purposes of this episode, 
I decided to have, I found three, uh, three recent papers that were published in 2017 regarding exercise and multiple sclerosis. The first of which was published in BMC Neurology, and the title is Exercise Prescription for Patients with Multiple Sclerosis, Potential Benefits and Practical Recommendation. And that was written by Farzan Halabchi and others. I hope I, I, I got that name pronunciation correct. The next one I had a look at was published by BMJ Open, and it is titled Randomized Controlled Pilot Trial of an Exercise Plus Behavior Change Intervention in People with Multiple Sclerosis, the Step It Up Study. This one was written by Sarah Hayes and others. And the third one I looked at, and the one I'm going to focus most on, uh, simply just due to time constraints, uh, rather than trying to go through all of them, and the third one was called Short-Term and Long-Term Effects of an Exercise-Based Patient Education Program in People with Multiple Sclerosis, a pilot study. And that one was written by Christina Lutz and others. Now, just going through the title, I've, titles, I've burnt half my time, and <laughs> you kind of wish at times that the people that, that write these scientific papers and, and these journal uh, studies would uh, be a little bit more concise with their titles, but I suppose that's not the point, right? So overall, between the three, and this shouldn't surprise anyone, they all found benefits for people with multiple sclerosis and exercise. And that made me feel good because at least it tells me I'm not off my rocker. Um, I mean, I, I still could be, but at least in this particular instance, I'm not completely crazy. So looking at, again, looking at the, uh, the paper, short-term and long, I'll just call it short-term and long-term effects because, I mean, I could spend 20 minutes just repeating that title. So short-term and long-term effects, the one that was published, sorry, and I didn't mention the pub, uh, where it was published. And I suppose it doesn't matter. Anyway, the links to all three of these papers will be on the companion notes to the podcast on ownmultiplesclerosis.com. That's O-W-N, multiplesclerosis.com, all one word. So if you want to read them, and I encourage you to read them for yourselves, you can. And you can, you know, you can download their PDFs, you can you know, read them or, or, or whatever. And where I got them from, where I get all these studies from, just uh, type into your search engine pubmed.org it takes you to a wonderful database where some of the content is paid but you can search by free articles and there's an absolute ton so if you're interested in doing more research on multiple sclerosis or on any anything re re related to health I would recommend going there anyway so short-term and long-term effects uh, this paper by Christina Lutz and others I'd like to start by just reading a quote from the introduction of the paper. In order to manage disease and exercise training independently and sustainably, people with MS have to be empowered in MS-specific physical exercises and training management, patient education programs, 
also short form PEPs, pursue, pursue a common goal to satisf satisfy these claims of empowerment and are well established in several chronic diseases as well as in MS. However, there is a lack of physical exit. Sorry. However, there is a lack of physical education programs that focus on exercise training in multiple sclerosis. This is, you know, in a lot of ways that, that short quote encapsulates a lot of what I've experienced in the last 11 years. I remember when I was first diagnosed, I, I you know, I'm sitting in the office, in, in, in the, the neurologist's office, and he takes my scan and throws it up on that lit screen holder thing so that the light shines through so they, they can make out the outlines of the, of the MRI. He tells me I've got MRI confirmed multiple sclerosis. And this is how I remember it. It's probably not how it happened, but this is how I remember it. You know, uh, the, the nurse whisked into the room. She sat me in another room. She started talking to me, to me about the various MS drugs that uh, I, I could take and gave me the literature. And there was never a discussion about exercise or diet. It was just, we're going to prescribe your rebif. You're going to take it. This is what, you know, the literature says that it may or may not work, but it works more than it doesn't work. Uh, you know, kind of to summarize what I was told. And that was it. So when they say there's a lack of physical education programs that focus on multiple sclerosis, that was spot on my, my experience. I was never talked to about exercise. And if you listen to the first part of, of, of this two-part series, um, I actually sort of just kind of fell into it. Um, because my mom decided to take me for walks or short walks early on, and I just kind of noticed how I felt a little bit better, and I kept going with it. And then the other thing I mentioned, the quote mentions is empowerment. Well, as I mentioned in the last episode, in order for you to start, you have to empower yourself to do it. You have to make those decisions, and you have to mentally get yourself mentally right so that you will continue with it and, and push and when you're feeling fatiguey and you're dealing with anxiety about having a chronic condition and potentially dealing with depression and all the other things that come, all the other wonderful things that come with our, with our particular condition, it's not easy. But if you push through it and you empower yourself and you start feeling the, the, the benefits of it, you can do it. Um, so further in this paper, I'm just going to read a few quotes and kind of talk about their, their conclusions. And I apologize, it's uh, Monday morning and I'm, and I'm drinking my tea. I need that little boost of caffeine just to get, get things going. Um, anyway, another quote from a little later into the paper. And this quote will give you a sense of... how people were recruited and, and, and um, why they were included or why they were not included. So here's the quote. 35 people with MS were recruited and screened for eligibility criteria by their neurologist and general practitioners. 
Inclusion criteria were as follows. A, a definite diagnosis of MS. B, they were greater than age 18. C, documentation of the current state of disease. D, disease-related problems in daily life, which were self-reported. E, ability to stand and walk with or without assistive devices. Again, this was self-reported. F, physical, uh, sorry, physician approval for beginning of a, a physical activity program. And G, a signed letter of, of written informed consent. So that kind of gives you an idea of how they screen people. And, you know, as you could probably infer from, you know, when, when they were either walking with assistive devices or not, they're not, they weren't recruiting Uber athletes to, to come in and people that had um, necessarily already started. It was just, it was a random sample. So at the end of the day, did, you know, what did they find out? Well, this is what they found out. Here's a quote. There is evidence for an increased production of neurotropic factors, or NF, NFs, produced by moderate exercises and highly reflex-based movements such as running. These NFs show a beneficial influence on neural function and on relapse remission. In contrast, emo... emo <laughs> I don't know why I can't say that word. In contrast, immobility and forced non-use may potentiate the neurodegeneration. So a simple way of putting it is if you're exercising, your brain's doing better. If you're not exercising, you could actually be harming your brain and causing it to degenerate further. Uh, sorry, not further, faster. And I've heard this not just from doing research in regards to multiple sclerosis. I've heard this just, just in regards to aerobic, aerobic activity in general and how it can have a neuroprotective effect. So, and again, this study, they weren't running people through their paces. I mean, they were, you know, this was, and you have to read the paper to get the full flavor. I don't have enough time to go into it all here, but we're, we're talking about uh, simple exercise programs re revolving around walking and then measuring over time uh, the progress. And they found that, you know, even immediately that there was some benefit to even just starting the, the, the practice of exercise and getting into a regular program. Over the mid, the medium term, they found that, again, that there was even more benefit and it was able, and they were able to show even over a year, uh, even of a more of a benefit. Now, I should uh, make a note at this stage of, of the episode that reading some of these scientific journal papers, um, they aren't the easiest things to ingest in the world. They're written in, and they almost have their own language and vocabulary that they use. So if you're having trouble reading it, if you go to the, you know, oldmultiplesclosis.com and download the papers and have a read, the things to key in on are the conclusions. And 
it would be nice if we could always understand the science and, and how you know the scientists and the doctors build these studies. But at the same time, uh, I don't have the time, and I suspect most of you don't have the time to, uh, you know, get a science degree uh, part time, and just so you can read these things. But if you can focus, you know, focus in on uh, the conclusions, um, the introductions. Um, and get an understanding how they built the study, then, you know, you can start to draw conclusions yourself based on a number of sources, right? And you can say, okay, well, if in general all the current studies on exercise and multiple sclerosis are showing a benefit, then it's reasonable to assume that if I start to exercise, I'll see a benefit. And I... You know, I, I think that's very a very important thing. So, I mean, I wouldn't get too caught up on whether or not, you know, you're you're somebody who can read some of these these, these journals and 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 understand them fully. I'm certainly not. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, I, I did go to university, but my I was in the social sciences, so my um, my knowledge is limited. And I'm certainly not a doctor, but I can you know I get enough out of them to understand the gist of what of what they found, and that's really what I'm concerning myself with. So in this particular study that I'm referencing right now, uh, the way they measured success was on a number, of, uh, a number of indicators. One was walking ability. The, another one was quality of life, and that was a questionnaire. So it was self-reported. Again, you know, a third factor was fatigue, and again, that has to be self-reported because I don't know how you would measure it. I mean, I know for me, when I'm trying to explain to people what MS fatigue is, it's not the easiest thing to explain. Another factor they looked at for success was self-efficacy. And what that is, is more, okay, so we're going to show you how to exercise. And we're going to check in with you for the first little while. But once you have learned it and are comfortable with it and are, and are seeing progress and are, and, are, and are seeing benefits, will you continue to do it on your own? You know, and that's, that's always the tricky part is, I mean, that's why, you know, for the, for the normal, you know, air quotes, normal people out there, you know, you always see a spike in gym membership and memberships, gym memberships being purchased in January because the whole New Year's resolution thing. Well, there's two problems with that. And I think the first problem is, you know, you spend, you know, sort of the winter holidays, the holiday season, um, you know, drinking and overeating and, um, and being, you know, certainly a lot more sedentary. And then all of a sudden, you know, January 1st rolls around with a hangover, you go running to the gym and you say, okay, sign me up for a membership and you try and work out. Well, the first problem with that is that you're, you know, you've com compromised yourself over the you know preceding several weeks because you have been not leading the healthiest lifestyle. Now you're going to try and go at 150 percent in the gym, and you you know you're going to feel awful after the first one and for the first several. Right? You're going to be sore and tired and cranky, and and it's no wonder that people don't you know by the end of February, a lot of those people that signed up, you don't see them anymore. So. When we, when we talk about self-efficacy, it's, it's to be able to continue to do it on your own. And I know even for me, since I, you know, when I started running 2007, 2008, 
um, there were times that I quit for more than a month at a time. And then starting back was always tough. Um, so anyway, something to keep in mind is that, uh, you know, if you find a physical activity that you enjoy, the odds are better that you're going to keep doing it. So if running's not your thing, maybe biking's your thing. If biking's not your thing, maybe it's walking. Maybe walking's not your thing. I mean, I can go on and on and on, but it's to find something that you actually enjoy doing. So, you know, as I mentioned, this, this, this paper, um, short-term and long-term effects of exercise, showed that there was a definite benefit and there was a definite improvement in terms of walking gait, walking speed, walking time, um, you know, efficacy over time. So people are, you know, deciding to keep going with, with an exercise program. So and that really made me happy to see that. Now, there are some limitations of this study, and you know, some of the problem was they didn't have the biggest sample size. It wasn't, uh, uh, wasn't evenly distributed between the sexes. So um, it's not a perfect study, but what I would say is that some of the conclusions that they draw and some of the results that they, that they saw would definitely mirror what I've experienced. In, in, my, in my life. Here's a quote from near the end of the paper. Significant improvements with moderate to large effects in walking endurance and in walking speed immediately end 12 weeks after the patient education program. The benefits in walking speed could be maintained one year after the baseline measurements. And further, and further down, the benefits of our study are consistent with the results of three meta-analysis concerning the impact of exercise and multiple sclerosis. So again, that just mirrors what I just said. I mean, their, their findings definitely mirror what I've experienced in my life and, and how I've experienced exercise and multiple sclerosis. So I would encourage you to read you know, this paper and the other two. And this is a good point to bring in. So what did the other two papers say? Now, I can't go into great detail here so I'll just read some quotes from the conclusions now this first quote is from exercise prescription for patients with multiple sclerosis potential benefits and practical recommendation written by Farzin Halabchi and others so this is from the conclusion of this paper and you can see how this kind of dovetails in with the other one Here's a quote. Exercise should be considered as a safe and effective means of rehabil rehabilitation MMS patients. Existing evidence has shown that a supervised and individualized exercise program can improve physical fitness, functional, functional capacity, quality of life, and modifiable impairments in MS patients. So again, another study published in 2017 that shows the positive effects of exercise for people with multiple sclerosis. And here's a third quote from the third paper I said I'd reference. And this paper, of course, is called Randomized Controlled Pilot Trial of an Exercise Plus Behavior Change Intervention in People with Multiple Sclerosis. The Step It Up Study. And this one was written by Sarah Hayes and others. And a quick quote from the conclusion of that paper. 
The program resulted in significant improvements in walking endurance and speed for both groups. So again, they have a third paper published in 2017 that will be available on the website if you want to read it that shows that exercise can have a definite positive effect in people with multiple sclerosis. So, I mean, overall, if you're listening to this and, and, you, and you want to try it, I, I would certainly encourage getting out there and exercising. I mean, certainly do it safely. Talk to your doctor first and do it within your own comfort. The, the, the point here is not to hurt yourself. The point here is to try and make you feel better. So if you're not a runner, don't try and run 5K. Maybe try walking first, slowly. And as I mentioned in the last part of this, this, this two-part series, bite-sized pieces. Break it down the small steps. Be careful, be safe, but, but get active. And, and maybe, maybe getting active might just be doing exercises in a chair, you know? And maybe that'll lead to getting out of the chair. It'll be different for everyone. So I can't, you know, give you a program uh, to, to, to tell you this is exactly how you do it. But as always, if you have questions or comments, please email me, sean at ownmultiplesclerosis.com. Or you can find me on Facebook at ownmultiplesclerosis. Just search that on uh, Facebook and you'll find it. I actually had some people message me through the Facebook on, after the last episode. And that's it's fantastic. So, uh, Or you can also find me on Twitter at ownms.com1. You can watch the, this podcast on YouTube if you like. And actually the video for this, this episode is actually a video I took while I was running the Grizzly Ultramarathon in Canmore at the beginning of October. It's, uh, it's a 50-kilometer trail race that I finished in eight, in eight hours with two kilometers of elevation. So that's what the video looping the background is. And as always, you can always find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Uh, please like, subscribe, share the whole bit. Anyways, that's my time. 27 minutes is almost up. I'll talk to you again really soon. Thanks for listening.